Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, hey, we are rolling with season 10 of the podcast in episode two. And as you know from last week, we are in a series where we are literally bringing part of the HPB Expo to you. As you know, on Saturday night of the HPB Expo a couple weeks ago in Louisville, Kentucky, we hosted an edX event and we presented three TED style talks about the future of our industry. Now, last week, you heard Grant Falco's talk, and that was titled Unleashing the Power of Grit and Empathy, and it was all about the examples that were set for him, in particular by his parents, that have empowered him to take his business to the next level as difficult situations have come up. Well, in today's episode, we're going to be playing the second talk, and this is by Brandy Biswell. Now, Brandy has been a guest on this podcast way back in season two, and she's someone out of Kansas City who owns and operates a company called Flues Brothers with her husband, Jeremy. Now, Brandy is a phenomenal business person, and she's a speaker and a coach and a teacher, and truly everything that she seems to touch turns to gold. I think that she is absolutely one of the authorities, in particular on running a team and creating systems and processes in our industry. Now, her presentation is called Adapt to a New Generation of Workers, and this is something that she goes very, very deep on in how we need to understand the changes in today's workforce compared to when possibly we ourselves or the generation before us was coming up, and this is something that is a really, really great presentation. It's funny. I was sitting backstage watching this with Matt Bradley, who works with me at Wi-Fire and is also the editor and the voice of the Firetime magazine. And me and him and Grant were just watching on the monitor Brandy speak. And like every 30 seconds, we were like, this is incredible. So I'm really, really excited for you to hear it. I'm going to have some thoughts on the back end of the episode to wrap this up. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this edX presentation by Brandy Biswell. Thank you, Matt. I do have to piggyback on one thing Grant said real quickly, um, and that is that Um, I just want to thank Jerry and Cheryl Eisenhower. Um, As a part of the CVC success team, I can tell you that they've taken me under their wing and mentor me and continue to mentor me every day. I also want to thank Grant and Tim for inviting me here to speak and the entire Firetime team. I've had the privilege of seeing the back end of things today. And let me tell you, these guys have been working tirelessly for you guys. And they're so giving of their time and their information. So I just want to thank them. So when I left the healthcare field 10 years ago to come help my husband in the business, I had to do a lot of adapting. And I remember that one of the first things I did was start interviewing for chimney sweeps, chimney technicians. And one of the first guys I interviewed for, he came in wearing coveralls. Now, I came from the world, if you're going to come for an interview, you wear a suit or at least dress slacks, maybe a cardigan. I really liked the guy. He did a great job during his interview, but I was having a very hard time getting past the coveralls. So I let him go. I told my husband, you know, he was great, but I just couldn't get past the coveralls. And he said, he kind of laughed and said, Brandy, 
you're going to have to do a lot of adapting in this industry. So I called the guy back for a second interview. What do you think he was wearing? The same coveralls, not even coveralls, the same coveralls. Now, never being one to mince words, I just asked him, can you tell me why you thought it was appropriate to wear coveralls for an interview? And he said, sure. I was always taught that you dress for the position that you're applying for. I thought maybe as a chimney technician, you would wear coveralls. I loved his answer, hired him. In fact, I would go on to interview and hire other technicians after him that did come in wearing a suit or cardigan. And guess what? They never worked out. For the first time in US history, we have five generations in the workforce. This has never happened before. 10 years ago, I was mostly hiring millennials. Now I'm mostly hiring Gen Zers. Now I kind of consider myself an expert on Gen Zers because as you heard, I have teenagers. I have a 16 year old daughter and a son who'll turn 19 in about 48 hours. So I feel like an expert. Um, they're always teaching me the new language, bougie and slay. I'm still trying to figure out the whole slay thing. Our son, we have a family group line, and he texted and said that he had a big test coming up, and could we pray for him? And my daughter said, you will slay it. So I thought, okay, it must mean kill it, maybe, right? And then today I texted them a picture of me in the dressing room, and my daughter goes, slay. And I'm like, maybe it doesn't mean kill it. I don't know what it means. <laughs> So to give you an idea of how this generation uses social media, I want to take you back to 1913. This is when the Stanley Company was invented. In 1913, they invented the Stanley Hydro Flask. Now, at this time, it was revolutionary technology. They used it to transport human organs, bull semen, if you can believe it or not. And the fighter pilots in World War II carried along with them in their B-17 bombers. I remember the Stanley because growing up, my grandfather had the green hammer tone one. I always hated that color. And he would fill it up in the morning, full to the brim with coffee before heading out on the tractor to do his field work for the day. Over the years, Stanley would be acquired and bought, um, change hands, but they never really had anything too innovative. They were very well known among campers, the working class, the adventurers. Fast forward to 2016, and they invented the Adventure Quencher, a tumbler. Raise your hand if you've seen the Stanley Tumbler. Yes, yep, a few of you. Those of you that don't, you must not have teenagers. Um, <laughs> so they put this on their website, started advertising it. In 2017, three women of the Buyer's Guide caught onto this and started advertising it and selling it on their e-commerce website. Every time they would link to it, it would sell out. Well, come 2019, Stanley wasn't seeing much traffic on its website for this Tumblr. So they decided they were going to discontinue it. Well, of course, the buyer's guide got wind of this, and they asked to sit down and have a meeting with Stanley. So they went to their headquarters and sat down and told them about Instagram and TikTok influencers and how they could be making a lot of money off these Tumblrs. Stanley really wasn't buying it. They were very hesitant. They relate how they hadn't seen much traffic, but they were able to convince them that if they would let them buy them, provide affiliate marketing links to other popular influencers, that they could sell them. Fast forward to 2021, a year later, and their sales were up 275%. That's the power of social media. 
To give you a personal story about it, back in November, my family took a trip to Utah. We had to fly into Las Vegas first. So we flew into Vegas, and my daughter is just begging to go to this donut shop. I'm like, how do you know about a donut shop in Vegas? Do you have some secret life I don't know about? No, Mom, it's all over TikTok and Instagram. All my, all my friends follow it. So we pull up to this donut shop. We had not accounted for the time difference from Utah to Las Vegas. And so we were there an hour early. So I'm thinking, great, she's not going to want to wait around. We're going to get out of this. Not only did she not want to wait around or wanted to wait around, she said, hey, can we get out and get in line? And I'm like, no, it's freezing out there. And she said, mom, I promise you the line is going to be wrapped around the building by the time they open in an hour. And there were already four people in line. So wanting to be a good mom, I put on my coat. Fine, I'll go get in line with you. We're standing in line, and sure enough, as that hour's going by, the line is continuing to grow and grow and grow. Now, I want to know what all these people find so great about these donuts. I mean, it's a donut. How great can it be? So I'm talking to them. Turns out all of them are much like us. They're all traveling, many from other states. They all have teenage daughters, and they're all buying a box of these extremely expensive donuts, $63 for a dozen, that they're then going to have to carry back on their laps on the way home. Now, don't get me wrong. The presentation of these donuts was like nothing I'd ever seen. So we get in line. We get our donut. I take the first bite, and I'm thinking, this is going to be the best donut I've ever had in my life, apparently. It was meh. I watch for my daughter's reaction, because obviously she's going to love it. She kind of tries to pretend that she likes it. A couple hours later, we're doing some shopping, waiting on our flight, and she decides she's going to trash the donuts. She doesn't want to carry them on her lap, and they weren't that really that great. She's like, I don't understand. Well, I understood. It's the power of social media. In fact, last week she sent me a video. This same donut shop, the owner is genius, made a Taylor Swift donut because Taylor Swift is going to be in town next week. My husband's actually taking our daughter there to Vegas to see Taylor Swift. So she put on Instagram and TikTok this donut of Taylor and said, hey, guys, how do you think we can get Taylor to see our donut? Now, if you know anything about Taylor Swift, any city she visits, she loves, loves on her fans. And she tries to go and see fans. It's genius. Of course, she's going to go probably go to this donut shop. I don't think my husband realizes yet, but he's probably going to have to pitch a tin outside the thing. Not to mention, all these teenagers going are going to want to go buy the donuts. <clears throat> so as we look at that and we look at the power of social media, we have to think what... What is influencing these generations, the generations that of the um, millennials and Gen Z? Sorry. <laughs> what is their big driver? What's important to them? Well, the research tells us that they want work-life balance like none we've ever seen. I'm from the, the lost generation, also the smallest generation. And so we're more a bit of a workaholic. But this generation wants work-life balance. If you ask the Gen Zers what they want to be when they grow up, they'll tell you that they want to be social media influencers. <clears throat> they also want ample PTO. I actually had a talk with a guy at the trade show this morning about this, about the myths behind unlimited PTO. They may get married, but they're honestly okay just to start a family and hold off on marriage or not get married. Very different from the generations that have come before us. To better understand the generations, we have to understand that world events shape every generation. My great aunt, when she passed away, we had to be very careful cleaning out her house. 
Everywhere we turned, inside books, inside vents, inside the kitchen dishes, there was money turning up. I couldn't understand it. Well, she'd lived through the Great Depression. She didn't trust banks. So she hid the money all over the house. For my generation, I remember being in second grade. And if you remember those gigantic TVs and then the big TV carts, and they would wheel it into the classroom. And we were so excited to watch The Challenger. And unfortunately, we know how that ended. For the millennials, it was 9-11. They woke up one morning to a world that was no longer safe. This is the reason why they seek safety in the workplace. For the Gen Zers, it was COVID. They missed out on all the major milestones of their life, graduation, school dances, school trips. My son was 48 hours from going to New York with his theater class um, to see a bunch of shows on Broadway. He was going to turn 16 while he was there. And most of these kids had scrimped and saved so that they could pay for this trip on their own. And it was canceled 48 hours prior due to COVID. Now, neuroscience tells us that missing out on these life events have real consequences in the world. These are stressful events for them, and they will come back to haunt us if not addressed. So we're already seeing early research that shows Gen Zers have trouble adapting in the workplace. They experience more stress and more anxiety. Now, critics who don't believe in the science or choose not to believe in the science will tell you that this is the snowflake generation. But we actually know that's not true. We know that if not addressed, this generation will have increased abs absenteeism, decreased productivity. So we must figure out a way to work with them and address it. These younger generations are fantastic on the apps. And there's an app out there for everything these days. I personally love apps, but I'm still learning a lot of them. I'm still trying to learn TikTok. Growing up in my house, uh, our lives revolved around the national news. 5.30 Central Time, my dad had to be in front of the TV for the national news. He wanted it no other way. If we had a school program, we better hope it was after that because he was not missing the national news. To this day, that's his thing. The younger generations, they don't trust the news or they find it too sad. They'd rather get their news from YouTube, Twitter, on Reddit's website, they advertise a place for authentic connection, which is kind of funny because you're an anonymous user on Reddit. But let me tell you what, if you're messing up in the workplace, the younger generation will let all of Reddit know it. Now, the cool thing about Reddit is this can be a great place to advertise your business, especially if you're in one of the niche industries such as ourselves. TikTok is another big one I've been trying to learn. Luckily, I do have all those millennials and Gen Zers that work for me, so I can just hand them my phone and, and tell them to do it for me. But this is a great place to show your company's unique personality. I actually have a client who did a video of their technicians washing all the work trucks and put it to the music at the car wash. Fantastic. So fun to watch. I envy them. I'm trying to be them. When I go to the doctor now, I don't have to take off work to rush into the doctor. I just hop on an app on my phone. I can see him right there from my office. All I have to do is let the pharmacy know that I need my prescription delivered, and I never had to miss work for that. Recently, we subscribed to the Walmart app, if you didn't know they had one. 
And so now I can walk into the Walmart neighborhood market and just scan my item, bag it right there, and then walk out. It's actually kind of comical because there's always this huge line of people. So I kind of walk out waving, bye, goodbye. Oh, sorry, you didn't know about the app, did you? Sorry about that. In my company, we use the Microsoft To-Do app. This is great because every Wednesday morning we have a staff meeting. We can keep track of a list of items in real time that we want to put on there throughout the week. And then Wednesday morning comes and we can actually assign the task to whoever's going to be responsible for it and put a due date. We also use it in our household. We use it um, for our grocery list, for example. I always know my kids are on it when I'm at the grocery store and all of a sudden I see like ice cream, cookies, chips popping up on the list. <clears throat> so that's always fun. So my challenge for you tonight is to think about how can you best utilize this generation? Do you have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? Because let me tell you, if you have a fixed mindset, you're going to be left behind. So you better think about getting a, or think about getting a growth mindset. Utilize this generation. I want you to ask yourself some questions. Do I provide health care for my employees? Is there a flexible work schedule I could offer? Maybe a four-day work week. Maybe more PTO. Most health insurance programs actually offer employee assistance programs already. You're already paying for it. You just have to ask. But this way, your employees can have access to mental health and other perks. <clears throat> Excuse me. What other advantages could you be taking of with this generation? What else could you be doing? Are you providing a solid orientation program? Research tells us that if you can give a great orientation program that is structured, your employees will stay with you longer. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average life cycle for an employee is 4.1 years. Now here's the bad news. That number drops to 2.8 years if you're in the service industry or the trades. So that's the bad news for us. What else can you be taking advantage of out there? Are there? Have you talked to your employees? Are you being proactive or are you being reactive? What I mean by that is if you're being proactive, you're doing stay interviews. If you haven't done stay interviews, I have a whole podcast on it. Go listen. A stay interview, though, is something that you're doing while your employees are there to see what keeps them there, what makes them happy, rather than being reactive and doing exit interviews when it's already too late and the candidate's already got their foot out the door. So my challenge for you tonight is to think about a way that you can go home and take advantage of this new generation. They are our future. They are what's going to take us into the future. I often work with clients and I hear them playing a victim or a martyr. Oh, but Brandy, I can't find anybody to hire. No one shows up for their interview. This younger generation, they don't want to work. If you have that mindset, that is what you're going to attract, and that will be the downfall of your company. I leave you tonight with a quote from Aries Spears. In order to sustain longevity, we must evolve. Thank you.
Well, I hope you guys got a ton of value out of that edX presentation by Brandy Biswell. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. And seriously, as I was watching backstage, I was just thinking, man, I got to follow this. I mean, she did so, so good. And as I was just listening through it, getting ready to record this, I took a bunch of notes and I just want to hit some of these things, you know. First off, the idea that we have to adapt is so valid. You know, change is never easy. It, it isn't. No one, no one likes change, and it's natural for us to resist it. But the fact of the matter is that in our businesses, if we want to get better, we have to adapt to the people that we have to hire. It's, it's really as simple as that. You know, when Brandy talked about first showing up to the interview and having that guy be in coveralls, and that was something that she had to start to adapt to, we have to do the same thing in our own way. Like we have to realize that the younger people coming into the workforce now are different than previous generations. And we have to come alongside them and help empower them to win. And if we do nothing, if we default to what has just been done before, it will not resonate and people won't buy in. They won't be engaged and they won't stick with your company long-term. Now, a few things that Brandy highlighted, one is just the fact that there are five generations in the workforce right now, which is really, really crazy. I mean, when you think about the spread on that, the difference between someone at the end of their career today versus someone at the beginning of their career, there is a massive chasm. And we have to intentionally press in to bridging that divide. Otherwise, we'll just get swept away. Now, just some things to highlight. I've actually talked a lot with Matt Bradley about this because he was a teacher for about a decade before he started working with me at Wi-Fire and with the team at the Firetime Magazine. And he talks a lot about the incoming generation. And it's not that they're stupid or that they're just lazy or anything like that. It's that this incoming generation desperately needs meaning. They need meaning and purpose in their lives. And this generation in general has been told their entire lives that they're an accident, nothing matters, and whatever you want to do for your own pleasure is the highest good you can seek. And while that might sound empowering, it actually becomes a coffin locked from the inside the deeper that you go down that. And until life can be oriented around serving others and being a part of something greater than yourself, it's really difficult to find meaning and purpose. More on that in just a little bit. Now, when Brandy told the story about the donuts and about the power of social media, this is one thing that we need to realize about the new generation coming in, is that the new generation is very swayed by what they read online. It's not that the other generation's not. There's all kinds of things that people read online and believe. But with the incoming generation, the primary way that they get their news and their worldview is through the internet. That's the primary way that they form their worldview. So they're very influenced by the latest three-minute video telling you about whatever the situation is across the world or about this movement or this protest that's going on in the United States. They're very, very swayed by that. And so we have to just be aware that in the tumultuous world of the internet, Things can be very overwhelming when we're always hearing about the latest tragedy, we're always hearing about the latest cause. There can be serious fatigue on account of people who consume that as the primary way that they get the news and 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 take into account things to form their worldview. And so we need to be a steadying and a balancing force in that. 
When Brandy talked about how the most important thing for the incoming generation is work-life balance, I would agree. I I think that flexibility is more important than money. I mean, I I can tell you just from my travel of so many people I run into that have part-time jobs, whether that is contract work as a programmer, whether that's part-time work driving Ubers or Lyfts, but for them... They're after flexibility over money. And this is something that we need to be aware of that, that sometimes, and I know it sounds crazy, but sometimes, you know, a 40 hour a week job may be too much. So asking those questions of how could I create a flexible position that when they're here, I need all of them and I will hold it accountable. But there's flexibility built in here for them to have the life that they want. I think that that's a really important question to ask. And, you know, it might, it might seem like, well, what about retail sales? You know, I, I got to have someone there five days a week. And I guess I would ask the question, do you? You know, would it work for someone to be in the showroom two days a week? And then one day a week, they work remote, working through their sales dashboard. And they have a minimum amount of follow-up calls and of, and of jobs that they're trying to pursue for that day that they're out. Things like that could be a major, major advantage for you. And, and, and it does mean that, you know, when someone's not full-time, it will likely take a little bit longer to train them and it might mean that they don't know quite as much as someone who is there but i've just seen in different capacities having the flexibility to where possible create semi remote positions or at least come alongside to accommodate people's lives i've seen that lead to ridiculous buy in and people actually staying with your company a lot longer than they would have otherwise one thing that has to be talked about is the fact of increased stress, absenteeism, and decreased productivity. I think that in general, the incoming generation is lacking in many of the skills that previous generations have had. There's an incredible book I read a few years ago that's called The Coddling of the American Mind. And this book is basically a research study that's been done of how social media at formative ages has affected the younger generations of America. And the book is staggering. Essentially, what it says is that people at 18 years old now developmentally are much more like a 14-year-old. Yet they're being put in situations, whether it's college or whether it's a career, that as a 14-year-old, you or I may not have been able to deal with. And that is the level of development that many of our 18 to 20-year-olds are at And, and this research book actually attributes much of that to exposure to social media during the formative years of their life. And with this comes increased anxiety, stress, depression, lack of commitment, all these things that we talk about. There's a one-to-one correlation with the way that social media is, is consumed. The point is to say that this is a reality we're dealing with. And because many people in this incoming generation don't have a sense of stability, meaning, and purpose in their lives, it naturally leads to higher stress, depression, absenteeism, and fear of commitment. So in our businesses, we need to be a stabilizer for these people. And what I would suggest is, in your company, literally starting a monthly one-on-one meeting with every single person that reports to you. And when I say a meeting, I mean like get out of the office, take this person to lunch or to coffee and talk for an hour just about their life. How are you doing? What do you want to do with your life? 
How do you like this job? How am I doing for you as a boss? Is there anything that I can be helping you do to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish? By you making the investment in your people and being a stabilizing force that is giving them purpose and meaning and dignity and value, it's incredible how you can get young people to rally to the cause, but you have to be willing to adapt. You know, I I think about people I interact with that are part of this generation, and I have truly found many of the people in this generation are some of the most dedicated, creative, and hardworking individuals that I know. But make no mistake, that's only because they see a greater purpose in what they're doing, they feel taken care of, and they feel like they are making a difference. Gone are the days of just punching the clock because the boss tells you to punch the clock. That is dying out with the older generations. In this new up-and-coming workforce, we need to think about giving them meaning and purpose. And if we're not going to intentionally pour into that, it's going to be really, really hard for us to retain team members. So the questions that Brandy asked as she closed out, how do you best utilize this generation? Do you have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? And even questions like, are you willing to pay for healthcare? Are you willing to invest in a flexible work schedule? Those are worth asking because if the answer is no, again, There's not much that I can tell you. It's going to be a a tough road is all I can say. If you're content to say, well, there's snowflakes and I'm just going to go look for the people who aren't snowflakes. I mean, I would would just say best of luck. I mean, I'm not saying that you should hire people intentionally lazy and disengaged, but I am saying that the perfect candidate in your mind likely doesn't exist. And if they do, they're probably going to command a much bigger paycheck than you want to pay them. So, Rather than staying rigid, we should be flexible to the new generation of workers and come alongside of them. Now, if this podcast today has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. And seriously, we are so thankful to those of you who support this on a monthly basis. It is, I mean, it's incredible. We operate off a shoestring budget and, and we feel just a huge burden to make sure that this podcast is delivering content that helps you move the needle in your business. And in particular, I've mentioned this a few times, but Napoleon, just silently and quietly has been one of those contributors that has done this uh, without recognition and and without pomp and circumstance just to say that they believe in this and and they want to see it continue forward and, and we are very thankful for that. Now, as you go into this week, I want to just give you one really, really practical tool that Brandy highlighted. It's the idea of an orientation program. So my belief is that By creating an onboarding program where when someone shows up at your company on day one, you've got their first few weeks, their first couple of months scripted out. This is how we do it. Here is how we train you. On Monday, you're going to sit down with Joe. On Tuesday, you're going to sit down with Susie. By, By marking that out and giving a team member a path, it's incredible how much they buy in. But as Brandy said, companies that don't invest in in an intentional orientation process or onboarding process, team members don't stick around because expectations aren't set. They don't feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. They burn out, they get frustrated, and they quit. So this week for you, 
I want you to take the time, carve out two hours, three hours. I want you to draft an onboarding process. I don't care what the position is in the company. Maybe it's a sales position, an installer, maybe someone on the inside that's part of your support staff team. But I want you to draft an orientation process. How do you onboard that team member? What does day one look like? Day two look like? Day three? For me personally, I recommend having an intentional onboarding process for their first month that they're with your company. If you can do that this week, I'm telling you, it will move the needle. So that's all that we have for today. Next week, you're going to get to hear my edX presentation. I'm super excited to share that with you. But in the meantime, I hope you guys have an amazing week. Go and make a difference to the people in your company. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. All in to burn.